going to say too, this, as I was reading through this chapter this week, you know, this is one of, I was thinking this, if I could probably, if I could only have one chapter in the Bible, you know, this would, this would probably be one of those chapters, you know, like Isaiah chapter 53 is one of those chapters. If you can only have one chapter, you know, and, uh, but this chapter is so full of great truths that uh, I was thinking of, that Ethan was saying the other day about the book of Romans. Uh, I think it was Martin Lloyd Jones. No, he said you can memorize it, but I think it was Martin Lloyd Jones who preached out of the book of Romans for 11 years on a Friday night. There was another guy, his name is Donald Barnhouse, and uh, he preached an entire series of messages each each verse, one verse, each message. And um, you know, that's, that's, uh, I had some of those messages, I'll date myself now, on cassette. And, uh, uh, but yeah, so, but the book of uh, John chapter 11, there's so many great truths in here. Uh, so really this morning's Sunday school lesson is really just kind of a broad, uh, spectrum of, of all of these things, but um, let's just read it and uh, let the Lord speak to our hearts as we read through it. And then, we'll, again, I'll have a word of prayer. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. And his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of, his, of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. I think that's about two miles. 
And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, Well, she goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should have not died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha. The sister, or Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. And some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. I'm just going to read a couple of more verses here. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doth many miracles. 
If we let him alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest, that same year saith unto him, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that is it expedient for us, for that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. And then from that day forth they took counsel together to put him to death. And Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you'd bless our, our lesson this morning, that you'd speak to our hearts in a very real and powerful way, draw each of us closer to you. Thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be here today and to open the word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to our hearts. Be with the students downstairs, the teachers, the junior church, and the morning worship service to follow. Let it bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I read those last verses. It wasn't really part of the lesson, but just so I wouldn't forget, unless we ran out of time. But I was amazed at the end how obstinate people can be. They've seen a man raised from the dead, and they still want to put Jesus to death. goes to show you that just some people who are so cold and hearted to the gospel and to the things of Christ, that even if someone raised... You remember the, the account in the Bible when the, um, the rich man died and said, go, he said to the Lord, uh, or said um, uh, to go back and warn, for Jesus to go warn his brothers. And Jesus said, if we, even one rises from the dead, they're not going to believe. So we've lived in a world where there have been people that, that would say, oh, if God would show me a sign, maybe I would believe. Well, we've seen all throughout the Bible that there have been people uh, who, who Jesus healed, and Jesus here, three instances, you can kind of now look at the lesson, three, two other instances prior to this that Jesus raised someone from the dead, and still they didn't believe. And um, it's, just, it's just the world we live in. But getting back to the lesson, so... Uh, if you notice on the handout, introductory statement, so it's the second time in the Gospel of John that we find an individual with a sickness or an infirmity, and part of that, the purpose for that is to glorify, glorify God. We saw that in chapter 9, the, the man who was born blind. That was when we studied that, and it was the question was asked, well, who did sin? You or your parents, you know, that you were born blind. And it wasn't either him or his parents' reason for him to be born blind, but he would glorify God and God, Jesus would give him back his sight. So if you notice, look at look what it says in verse 4 of chapter 11. It says here, When Jesus heard that he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. And so we see so much of that here in this particular chapter and with regards to the Lord, that he would be glorified. And as you can tell, we're getting closer and closer and closer to Jesus' arrest and then ultimately his crucifixion. He would be buried, he'd be raised from the dead as we, um, we kind of wind down this whole series on 
on the miracles of Jesus. And so he's just a few miles away from Jerusalem. If you study it out, all the miracles in the Bible, more of the miracles that he did up in Galilee, in Capernaum, that area, are recorded in the Bible. But the miracles that took place closest to Jerusalem seem to be the most miraculous. They're all miraculous, but you understand what I'm saying, the most miraculous of the miracles. And, um, but it's the third time that we, we've seen in our study that someone's been raised from the dead. We saw it in Mark chapter 5, 41, if you notice uh, on your handout there, and, um, and in Luke chapter 7, and, um, and now, of course, here in John chapter 11. Um, but again, on the introductory statement, it, right about in the middle where I, I wrote this, it's not always easy for you and me to reconcile the fact that God allows sickness in our lives to bring glory to Him. Especially so in light of modern day teaching that says that it's God's will for everyone to be healed or it's God's will for everyone to be healthy. And um, certainly God has the ability and still does heal people, but to say that an individual is not healed because he lacks faith is simply not biblical. Um, So we should remember that. Not that God can't heal and that God does heal, but there are some people that's God's will for them not to be healed. And uh, we, we submit ourselves. He's the potter, and you and I, we're the clay. And um, he has a plan for all of our lives. But as in all the miracles of Jesus that we've studied, there is always significant biblical truths that revolve around the miracle. And in John chapter 11, as I've already said, there are just... I mean, you could really preach out of John chapter 11 for a long time. And uh, verse by verse, uh, almost every verse, you could put a message together out of this particular chapter. But today we're going to kind of give it an overview and just look at it from a faith perspective. And what Jesus is teaching Mary and Martha and all of those who uh, were, were watching all of this. Now, we've seen Mary and Martha before in a couple of different instances. And um, if you remember that Jesus came into their home and uh, Martha was upset because she was scrambling around trying to take care of Jesus and Mary sat at Jesus' feet and it says that Martha was cumbered about. And um, we, we saw it too a little bit here as we read through this when Jesus arrives on the scene, and I'll say more about this later, Mary is still in the house and Martha is the one that goes out to meet him. But in the first instance there with Mary and Martha, when Martha was cumbered about, it was when Jesus said, Mary is doing the right thing. She just needs to sit and listen. And Martha, you're so busy doing things that you're not getting the point of me being here. So we've seen them before, and Jesus mentions it here as well. But they're going to learn some things, and we're going to learn some things about faith and just trusting the Lord. So... Again, on your handout, you notice the first point of the three points, the main point, is that we learn from this chapter the idea of awaiting faith. Of awaiting faith. Uh, Lamentation says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. Some of us are more impatient than others. Some people are just by nature patient people. But, uh, you know, we always want, it seems we want our answers from the Lord quickly. 
and it's not always that way. We want our service through the drive-thru at the restaurant. The reason we went through the drive-thru is so we didn't have to wait, right? And I've often said there's nothing worse than going through the drive-thru. You get to the window, and they tell you, well, could you pull over, and we'll come and bring out your food. No, I don't want to pull over. That's why I went through the drive-thru. But I do, because you got to practice patience. But patience, you want an answer right away. Mary and Martha, they wanted an answer. They want an answer right away. And um, we'll see that here. So we notice some things with regards to the miracles of, of Jesus. So first of all, when we wait on the Lord, he defines the purpose in our life. Look again at chapter 4 here. There's a purpose to what is about to take place in their life. The sickness, he said again, is not unto death. It's for the glory of God, that God might be glorified. You know, God is doing a work in your life. What's happening in your life right now? What are you experiencing right now? What are you dealing with right now? Whether it's at home, or maybe it's at work, uh, some of uh, good to see uh, James and Leah back from college. What were you experiencing at college? What were you dealing with? There are things going on in our lives all the time, and um, whether it's a an issue like we're reading about in the Bible here, uh, could be some other issue, could be a health issue, could be a relational issue, but God is doing a work in all of our lives, and there's. Um, a reason for whatever that is. And there are times we just need to wait on the Lord and for Him to give us those answers. Mary and Martha, they're going to realize they, they need to wait on the Lord here. It, it is a defined purpose. And there is a defined purpose in each of our lives. And God uses those purposes. We're here for Him. Look at, look at our handout. Look what it says. The Bible says, Paul wrote to young Timothy, the preacher, and he said this in 2 Timothy 1.9, reminding him of who Jesus is and about Jesus. He said to the young Timothy of Jesus, He hath saved us, who hath saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So he, Jesus has a purpose for you. Uh, are you allowing him to define that purpose in your life? What is that purpose? And uh, what is it going on around you that, uh, that helps to define that purpose? And so, because remember too, in this account here, it's not just going to be about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It's going to be about all of those that were watching all of this transpire. And what were they going to learn from it? And who are those people in your life that are watching you? And, and what are they going to learn? Or how, are your, how is uh, what you're experiencing, how is that going to draw them to the things of God, to the Lord? So here there's a, a purpose. There's a purpose for this. We've already seen it. It's to bring glory to the Son of God. But waiting, of course, it develops patience. Look at verse 6. When Jesus heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So he, you know, you would think the logical response would be, 
You know, if someone is sick, if you have a child that's sick, I always thought about that when my kids, well, I still have a kid in college, uh, if I ever had to, if something ever happened and I had to get there quickly, um, I could get to Pensacola in less than 24 hours. I'd have to drive through the night, and I did that a few times, not because anybody was sick, but because we just we were going to visit. But I could get there quickly. I wanted to be close by, because if there was an emergency, we just we could just go. Well, that's what happens when something happens. You just go. You know, I've had uh, um, things through life where you know you, the kids are going through something, as even as adults, and I would say, "You need me to come. You want me to come? You want your mom and I to come?" And uh, we would just go. Um, so, but Jesus waits here. He doesn't just go. We know that He loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and we know that He loves you and me as well. Amen? But sometimes we're waiting on Him. That's not a sign that He doesn't love us or He doesn't care about us. He loves us. And part of that love sometimes, part of that, that expression of love is just, is just to wait. Just to wait and see what's happening. That's part of our faith and, and, and developing patience in us. Again, look on your handout. James said this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Well, they're going through a trying time. Lazarus was sick. They're calling for Jesus to come. It's the, it's a, it, it's a trying time. The Lord puts us through trying times. The Bible is filled with examples of men and women who went through trying times. The testing of the Lord. The trying of your faith worketh patience. But then James said this, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. And if you're not a patient person by nature, sometimes that can be that, that can be difficult. But verse six of the chapter, it is a it is a moment we see it throughout here. We'll see later on when when I forget if it was Mary or Martha that said, "Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died." But he's teaching them patience. He's teaching all that read this patience, and the Lord the Lord has a purpose for our lives, and the Lord will work out that purpose in His time, not in our time. And that patience is developed in our lives, and we need to be mindful of that. That's all part of a, of a waiting faith. And um, verse 7, He says to the disciples, well, let's go into Judea again. And His disciples said unto Him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone Thee, and goest thou thither again? In this instance... The disciples want them to wait and think about this. And Jesus says, no, we're, we're not going to wait. We're just going to go. And uh, Because again, we're getting closer and closer and closer to when they're going to arrest Jesus and put him on trial. And so the, the enemies of the Lord are more outspoken. The planning is more prevalent. And the disciples know that. They're sensing this. I mean, put yourself in the disciples' place. They've got to think that, you know, we've got a lot of enemies. 
we got a lot of people that are against us. But in this instance, in chapter, or verse 8, Jesus says, no, we're not going to wait. We're going to go. And uh, so, there are times where we just wait upon the Lord. What is that verse in Isaiah, right? Uh, maybe some of you can help me out with this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Then it says they shall run and be not weary, and not grow weary, and walk and not what? And not faint. Thank you. Walk and not faint. It's a great verse out of the book of Isaiah. So waiting upon the Lord. Um, but that's part of our faith. Just waiting. Waiting. And as, as we go to the Lord at times and pray and uh, see and how the Lord's work in our lives. But that then just builds into their faith being established here. And the disciples' faith being established as they witnessed all of that. And the followers, not just the apostles, when I mean disciples, but I mean others that were watching all of this transpire and, and take place. So now, now we see the whole element of their faith, not just waiting, but a waiting faith begins to establish and to strengthen your faith. So Jesus said this in verses, verses 9 through 15. He said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Let me just stop there. The day, the night, light and darkness, a theme that's prevalent throughout the Bible. The idea of Jesus is the light of the world. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica on your handout, and he said to them, and I sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Why? To establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. He wanted to build their faith. Part of the whole purpose of Jesus establishing the local church is so there'd be a place where you and I could come and we could sit under the preaching and the teaching of God's Word and have our faith established. Part of the reason we have a Sunday school and Sunday school teachers or a junior church is so that our faith is established. We would establish our faith. So, that's what's happening here. Their faith is being established. And um, the Bible goes on here and says this in um, uh, chapter 9, verse uh, or verses 9 and 10, it talks about the light and the darkness. So the sub-point under established faith, it depends, our established faith depends on enlightenment. And what I mean by that is, as we walk with the Lord, as we grow in our faith, there's an enlightenment that takes place. We learn more about Him. We understand more about Him. Our, our, our hearts and our minds, are, are uh, as far as our faith go, they're developed. Paul wrote to Corinth, church in Corinth and he said, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. 
as you and I grow in our faith, and part of that is through waiting for the Lord to work, uh, but our faith gets established. We read the Word of God. We learn about the Word of God. God puts trials or tests in our life. We go through those. We depend upon Him. We pray about these things. And our faith gets established. Because it doesn't matter how long we're here in this world, from the time we get saved until the time we go to be with the Lord, listen, things are going to come our way. We're going to have to deal with them. But learn to have your faith established. Learn to have your faith enlightened as you sit and read the Scriptures and pray and ask the Lord to teach you, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and ask the Holy Spirit to direct you. It depends on established faith. It depends on the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then an established faith, it also it delivers an empowerment we're empowered, not our own power, but the empowerment of the Lord. Look at verse 22. So, well, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Look at verse 15. Jesus said this, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And then Jesus came and he found that he had lain in the grave for four days already. Well, I wanted to read verse 13 too. Look what it says. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. They, at first they thought he was just sleeping, Lazarus. And then it says, Jesus spake of his death, uh, but they thought that he had spoken of them taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I think that sometimes we just need to speak plainly, not beat around the bush, and just say it directly. You know, and uh, Jesus teaches that lesson here. He just said, listen, guys, you don't understand it, but this is the way that it is. Jesus, uh, Lazarus is dead. And, and in our lives, just plain. One of the things that I've always liked about the Northeast, people in the Northeast and I've really spent my whole life in the Northeast, they pretty much speak plainly. They tell you how it is. Now, I've been told in the South it's not that way. That I've met people that say, oh, yeah, people, they just kind of speak real kind of, and, and I don't know, and I'm not, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say this, maybe it almost sounds critical, but they kind of like sugarcoat everything and, and uh, kind, of paint, kind of beat around the bush and not really are direct. But not Northeasterners. That just get in your face and just this is the way that it is. And um, just speak plainly. So um, I think that's a good thing. So anyhow, if you have any relatives that are Southerners, my apologies to them. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, Jesus just lays out the facts. And, um, and sometimes maybe we could speak a little too plainly, you know. But uh, speaking the truth in love. So anyhow, but empowerment, and beginning in verse 22, he says, but I know that even, oh, Martha said unto Jesus, verse 21, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And then Jesus, listen, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha, she knew, she knew the Old Testament scriptures, 
she knew. I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know that. I know that. And, you know, think about it, though, from Martha's point of view here. And think about it, something that might happen in your life. Like, I'm thinking about, right now, I'm just thinking about my cousin who lost their daughter a couple of, or a week, a little over a week ago. They know. They know that she's with the Lord. They know it's a reality when we lose a loved one that one day, because we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're all going to gather again in heaven. We know that. But that doesn't lessen the grief and the pain that we go through when we go through something like that. Amen? So we know that. And Martha, you got to, she says, well, I know there's going to be a resurrection. I know that, but you have to, her brother's died. And she's going through that grief, that pain, that, that, you've ever experienced that, you know what that's about. And then Jesus says, well, I am the resurrection and the life. These, these are some of the greatest verses in the Bible. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I quote that verse uh, just about every funeral I ever preach. And uh, because that's the truth. The truth, it's about Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is developing their faith and empowering them here. The, um, and whosoever he said shall liveth, who, verse 26, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he asks that question that every person has to come to terms with. Believest thou this? Do you believe this? That's the question. That's the eternal question. And she said, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. When you and I come to that reality, that in, in your life and in my life, the, we are then empowered by faith, by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so they're waiting here. They're still, they're still dealing with their faith, but their faith through all of this is beginning to be established. Not beginning, it's already been established to some degree, but it's strengthening. It's being established more. Verse 28, when she had said so, she went her way. She, she went to find her sister. Her sister's back home. Ma the Master's come. The Master's come, and, and He's calling for thee, Mary. He wants for you to come. And she rose quickly, and she came. And they met one another. In verse 31, the Jews that were, that were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, she rose up hastily. They, well, they thought she was just going to the grave. They thought she was just going to mourn her brother, but it's going to be more than that. And it leads us to this last point, a conquering faith. See, when we learn to wait on the Lord and we allow the Lord to establish our faith, then when we face the difficulties, the trials, the challenges of life, the empowerment that the Lord gives us gives us the ability to conquer even the greatest obstacles in our lives. 
Romans says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. See, a conquering faith, quickly because we've run out of time, it delights in his presence. There is Mary and Martha now in the presence of the Lord. Their timetable was different than Jesus' timetable. But it's more important that we're on Jesus' timetable than our own timetable. What we find here is they have gathered together and Mary comes in verse 32 and she falls down at Jesus' feet. And sometimes in life, when, whenever the challenges are, sometimes just, just uh, we just need to fall down at Jesus' feet. Not always literally, but figuratively. In our prayer life, in our emotions, in what we're dealing with. Recognizing whatever that issue is, that Jesus is present with us. He's promised never to leave us, nor to forsake us. He, he, we need to delight in His presence because the Lord delights when we delight in His presence. And well, there's so much here. I mean, I'm not really not doing this chapter justice, but he saw her weeping and the Jews weeping and he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Oh, they said, behold how he loved them. There's been a lot of things said about why did Jesus weep and why did Jesus groan. I personally believe that a large part of that was just the whole idea of death. He just... The great enemy is death. And Jesus just groaned. I think he, he just knew the sense of what people experience when they go through losing a loved one, someone close to them that dies. And I think it's the groaning and the, just the anguish and knowing that man was created to never die. And now he sees that. So it should be really very comforting for us when we lose a loved one to know that Jesus has felt that same sorrow and we can depend upon him And he says, verse 39, take away the stone, Martha. And they said, but Lord, he's been dead for three days. So their faith is, they've made many statements here of faith, but their faith is still being established. They're still growing. And um, he's been dead for four days. Surely it's too late now, but it's never too late with the Lord. Didn't I say, Jesus said unto her, if thou would believe, thou should see the glory of God. They took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hast, that hearest me because of the people which stand by, I said it. In other words, he, wanted every, he said it out loud because he wanted everyone to hear and pray. He wanted all those that were there to know what was happening here. Certainly Jesus could have quietly in his own heart said, Lord, he could have spoke to his heavenly father that way, but he wanted it to be public. And he said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He wanted everybody to hear this. Come forth. And he came forth. 
And as you see, he was bound with his grave clothes. His face was bound with a napkin. I think there's importance to that. The reason his face, when you think about it, when they saw him come out and his face was bound, it was obvious he had been there for four days. He, if, if it was some kind of a trick, he, he, he couldn't have breathed. He would have smothered. And so all of these grave clothes are loosed from him and so much could be preached and said about that. And, um, and then, of course, verse 45, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the thing which Jesus did, they believed on him. They believed. So there's just Mary and Martha and Lazarus. There's a, a waiting faith that, that's taking place. Their faith is being established. Uh, death is being conquered. And then all of those that are around them there see all that's taking place. And don't ever forget there's people watching you as you're going through whatever you're going through. And these people saw that and they believed. But the last verse of this part of this chapter, but some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. And I think that verse is meant, it's, they went in a negative way. And uh, they just, it's just mind-boggling how people, people can see God working in other people's lives, obviously perhaps not being raised from the dead, but other issues, and not see the Lord working through all of this. But that's the way people have always been. They're just obstinate to the things of God. Let's pray. Father, bless now the morning service. Let it bring honor and glory to you and all that we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen.